How do you choose to make a difference? How do you use what you have to show up for your community? And as a woman, when you're faced with criticism and misogyny, how do you flip the script and turn it into something positive? Well, my guest today, Kimberly Johnson, is an author and a podcast host who does just that. She uses her platform to elevate women and be a vocal advocate for women's rights. You're listening to We Need to Talk. So you Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. My guest today is an author, a podcast host, and an activist for women's rights. Kimberly Johnson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, we have been Twitter pals for a while now. (laughs) And I I really love following you because I know a lot of our views are aligned. But the one thing that really drew me to a lot of your posts was your honesty and your commitment to truth, which you don't really get to see very often. And I love how vocal you are about women's rights. Um, And while I know you care about a lot of issues, why have you really decided to make women's rights one of the main issues that you are really vocal about in your platforms? Well, it was kind of an act. I mean, I I don't want to say it was an accident. It was just an evolution because my mom and I initially um, in 2010, we put out a book called The Virgin Diaries, which we interviewed people about what it was like to have first time sex. Um, It was my idea. And she joined in with me because she's really good. She's She was always like an A student in school. So she knows how to write books and organize them and everything. And so we collected stories together. And then, you know, we went online and we tried to sell the book. And then one thing led to another. And when Rush Limbaugh went on his rant about Sandra Fluke demanding to see her sex tape because she wanted to have insurance in private school, basically in I think it was a religious college that she went to, but it was, it was a college. She wanted to have mm. insurance for like birth control, stuff like that. So she went to Congress and she spoke about it so eloquently and Rush Limbaugh called her a slut for three days and he was horrible. So I, I had a blog. I was like, I said, selling my book and I wrote this open letter to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal slut and it was sarcastic and it was, mm-hmm. I was, I was being, you know, Am I allowed to use profanity here? Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, go for it. I was, go for it. I was being a bitch because he was being an <laughs> asshole. So, um, and that kind of like launched me into that whole women's rights thing. I was asked to be the, um, I belonged to, and it wasn't an organization. It was kind of this woman started Rock the Slut Vote. And it was in response to that. And the mm. idea is if you think that, if you want to say that women who enjoy sex or want to take birth control are sluts, then color me a slut because you're not going to call We're, we're taking that word back. And then yeah. kind of became this, again, evolution of me because I, I wrote that one thing and then I was asked to write for a blog and I focused on women's issues. And then the interesting thing was when in 2012, I met a woman who introduced me to the fact that the Equal Rights Amendment hadn't been codified into the Constitution. At that time, they still needed wow. three states. So I decided to make that my mission. And it was great because I was able to eventually introduce it to Alyssa Milano and Mm. Alyssa just took off with it. You know, I'm so grateful 
that she was able to get it out into the national conversation. She brought it, not that um, Biden wasn't aware of it, but she kind of brought it to him again and he put it on his platform for 2020. So, and for me, I just feel like, and you'll probably hear me say this a couple of times, I'm not an academic feminist. I'm, I'm like a Gen X woman. I'm a, I'm just a regular person. <laughs> and, and I feel like, you know, I was fortunate in my life. I haven't experienced too much discrimination. I've experienced sexism. But, you know, you're a woman, and when you're a woman, you see things, you experience things, and you see things that aren't necessarily fair. And so it's important to me that, you know, the women who fought before me to make sure that my rights were secured, I would like to do as much as I can for the women, yeah. you know, coming up. Absolutely. You're paying it forward. But I think it's interesting that you you make that point that you're not an academic in that sense, because I do think people think that they have to be at a certain level in order to start making a difference or having their voice heard. And that's not true at all. No, not at all. And, you know, I mean, there is a difference. I didn't go to school for I didn't study women's studies. Per se. I mean, in college, I took a few classes. I didn't graduate college. I went on to acting. But while I was in college, I mean, I was interested in a number of different things and women's studies were one of them, but it, it was never my specialty or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I want to go back to the the comment that Rush Limbaugh said, because I do remember that. And are you ever surprised by how people respond to clearly misogynistic comments in the defense? Like, I was always so surprised when Rush Limbaugh said anything, for example, but <laughs> I, I kind of say I was kind of surprised that people defended him. Well, that's always surprising when you're going to defend misogyny. And I mean, yeah, what did she do? She, again, this woman was so eloquent and she was so well-spoken, incredibly sincere. And her friend had some kind of assist in her ovaries. And that was what, you know, made her think of it in the first place. Like we need to have birth control included in the insurance program because it was the cost was too much and whatever the deal was but so anybody that would go against her i'm i'm not surprised by it but it's always it always does seem a little shocking that you would see mm -hmm. anybody whether it's you know with race i've heard um you know certain politicians say that slavery was good i mean when you yeah. hear those things how, how, how do you even process that you just think I know. i'm sorry I know. you're wrong <laughs> It's it it is mind boggling, but in specifically with women's issues, like I mean, and race too. Obviously, I, I can talk very strongly about both. Yeah. Um, but it is always surprising what people will justify. Yeah. Um, in order to make themselves feel better. Yeah. And I feel like specifically in the last you know four years, obviously that's one of the reasons we connected because we agreed on how things were going when 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 Trump was in office. But even before Trump, where did you think we were in terms of women's rights? And where do you think we are now that Biden is in office? Well, before Trump, you know, I was active on the ERA thing. And I think I, I happened upon Alyssa Milano, I think it was in 2017. So in 2015, 2016, I guess I kind of put that on the back burner a little bit, not really, mm -hmm. because I did go and see, I went to Netroots in 2015 and Bernie Sanders was there. My girlfriend and I made it our mission to get a hold of him, like to get him and talk to him about the ERA, which she was able to do on her own. I wasn't with her. And she asked if he would put it on his platform and he did. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, at that point, we still needed three more states. And, and I didn't know... I didn't know what was going to happen. And just to, in case somebody who's not aware, the Equal Rights Amendment basically just says, you know, equality of the sexes. 
and no discrimination based on sex. This was written, I think, in 1923 by the woman who wrote the 19th Amendment, Alice Paul. And it, it, she was a Republican. It took off in the 70s. And then this woman named Phyllis Schlafly came and put a halt on it. Then Congress, because it would stop the ERA, Congress then put an arbitrary deadline. I think the deadline expired twice. And, and then that was it. They considered it to be over. And I, if I'm not mistaken, ERA is the only amendment that ever had any kind of deadline. Why? Because it's about mm. women. But um, of course. <laughs> yeah. So as far as women's rights go before Trump, in my view, I was working on getting that done and not sure we were going to go. Interestingly, when Trump won, and I say that in air quotes, when he was installed um, <laughs> in 2017, I believe, Illinois, was it Illinois? No, Nevada. It ratified. And then mm. Illinois ratified in 2018, and then Virginia ratified in 2020, which brings us up to the 38 states needed. Now, it should just automatically go into the Constitution, and it's not because of the arbitrary you know, deadline and all that. Yeah. So, beyond yeah. that, um, I, think, I think that it's very possible it cleared, it went through because Donald Trump was president, and I think it was kind hmm. of a reaction. Um, up until Donald Trump, when I was growing up, I'm 53 now, when I was in my 20s and, and watching things, I would have imagined by now we would have had several black women presidents. I thought that was our trajectory. I just, right. you know, right. I mean, I grew up with Free to Be You and Me and Sesame Street and the Electric Company. And, you know, I mean, we it was just my understanding that we were expanding with all of that. Now that Biden's in office, I feel like I mean, when Trump was in office, I don't want to make it sound like all all was good for women because they let go of the Violence Against Women Act and the horrible abortion bills were passed. I mean, there were so many negative things. Right, right. Um, and of course, now that Biden's in, they're, they're trying to make it up. But I think the bigger picture is we saw how women reacted across the globe in 2017, uh, the day after his inauguration. Um, yep. His poorly attended inauguration. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? There were millions of people there. <laughs> but I think that, you know, this, this holds true in any scenario, um, feminism or any kind of scenario. When people are made to feel uncomfortable or threatened, they, they engage. And so mm -hmm. we saw that. And I think Trump engaged made women say okay i can't deal with this i don't want to live in this country or in this world that's going to have a man like him running things and uh, you know of uh, the united states which is a bfd um i wonder what would have happened with hillary clinton now the era she could have talked it up she could have said hey everybody let's support the era it doesn't mean it would have passed i think maybe if hillary clinton would have won the general public would have said, Hey, we got a woman president. We don't need the ERA. You know, it's, we don't. Yeah. Need so maybe he did help that along. And I think it's up to women now because Biden is president. He's only, you know, Congress is only able to do so much because we have such a slim majority in the Senate. And I think it's us, it's you, it's me, it's everybody out there. We have to make sure just like in 2017, when we all marched with the pink hats, we have to be the difference. And so I think yeah. things can progress and they kind of are but right now we're on this edge of a cliff and i won't know more until the until the election i think you're right and i think there's also so many layers to it that people don't realize like for example i think 
we we talk about equality mm-hmm. a lot in terms of gender equality, but something that I don't feel like I hear a lot of people talk about is gender equity. Yeah. And I think that's something that has to be brought into the fold as well. So for you, what does gender equality look like and what does gender equity look like? And how would you explain those terms to people that are unaware of the difference? Well, I would say with equality, it's more about like equal pay. So you have a man doing the same job as a woman and then, you know, they should be paid the same. Equity is a little bit different. Equity is recognizing that we don't all start from the same place and that we have to make adjustments in order for everybody to be included if there's imbalances. And the perfect example of that is the Supreme Court nominee. Uh, Biden mm-hmm. once, and, and he promised ahead of time, just like Reagan did, he said he was going to get a woman. Nobody cared. But now that it's a black woman, everybody's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Up in arms. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're, and they're so worried about what is the word they're using? Um, I can't remember the word qualifications as if, yeah. you know, I mean, they're, they're putting it out there like and, and I've, ha- I've seen men on the left and on the right say, oh, well, you should just act like you're looking for the best person and then choose the black woman like basically please the white supremacists and please the people who are afraid of black skin please them and then go okay sorry but i'm still going to do it anyway i mean it's like no (laughs) and and i wrote an article it's a horrible article but it was i think in 2018 and it was titled no prison time for white men who rape women and children and so Mm. it was a number of white I just collected all these stories of white men who literally some of them raped babies and the white male judges were like oh well they're wealthy so they can't go to jail no jail time no punishment uh there was a kid like a teenager who raped a baby on tape it was on camera no jail time the the judge was white and so equity again we absolutely need more diversity on the bench black women would be great but i'll I'll take you know asian women uh hispanic women any form of diversity for the love of god yeah because we need that's what america looks like and we need diverse perspectives because you know if you're a white person even if you grew up poor you have a privilege and you yeah, have a different yeah. perspective. So yeah, that's to me, equality is like, we should all be getting the same for doing the same work and making sure that everybody, you know, it's equal time, but equity is different. Equity is all about, let's make the playing field fair for everyone because there are yes. obstacles that people of color have that, that white people just don't. And it's interesting though, because when I've had these conversations with people trying to explain that to them, you can, it's hard to get past them even thinking that people of color still have these disadvantages because they think when slavery ended, everything was an ego or when civil rights even happened. But some people are, go as far back as saying, oh, well, slavery ended, like everybody's equal, but no. So how have you had conversations with people on the other side trying to make them understand or do you not even go down that path? Well, I do. I do from time to time. And I'm pretty much a shut-in right now because of COVID. Um, yeah. And, and I try not to be too like when I'm out and about with my friends, because of course, this is all the stuff I want to talk about all the time. And then I right. think, okay, I need to shut up. But when people are open to it, I do try to like, I'll give you an example. And this was not necessarily about equity. But one day I posted about the ERA and a conservative man replied. And I think his reply was, well, what rights do I have that you don't? And so and he wasn't a jerk. And so I said, well, here's, you know, I gave him this website and it's basically 
it's why the Equal Rights Amendment, and I'm going to look up right now what it's equalrightsamendment.org slash why. And it's great because it offers all these different, um, it's not just about equal pay. It's about, you know, mm-hmm. paid leave, maternity leave, issues with, you know, when women are pregnant and hospitalization, there's all these kinds of things that people don't think about it. It, it happens with rape, but there's Title X stuff. There's all kinds of issues that we don't even, like, all we think about is equal pay. So I told yeah. him, I told this guy, you know, take a look at this, just read through this website it doesn't take very long and he he actually did and he said you know what i agree with all of this i'm for the era so occasionally (laughs) you can reach out and talk to somebody but people do get confused about what this all means and they it's like you said oh slavery is over everyone's equal i mean the supreme court was like oh well we had a black president so that means there's no more racism in america it's like what do you (laughs) what what (laughs) Very easy for these white people to say. I mean, I know there was, I know, but he's one guy, so. (laughs) But he's also Clarence Thomas. Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, oh man, I, I, I feel like I can speak for the black community and say that we don't claim him that often. Yeah, we don't claim Susan Sarandon. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You don't claim Susan Sarandon. That's hilarious. That's so funny. You know, it's funny that. I'm glad that you shared that website with him and that he actually went to it because for me personal, personally, when I've talked about specifically, let's say like Black Lives Matter, or even to fund the police, people are so focused on the branding and the marketing and the phrasing that they don't actually do the research. Yeah. And w- while you don't want to, you know, coddle everybody and cater to them and like we hold their hand while they read a website like I really do wish people would not focus on headlines we're such a headline culture mm-hmm. and nobody okay. actually wants to do the work to yeah. see and read so I'm really surprised but also grateful yeah. that you were able to get him to read me the too. website yeah me too because it is it is difficult and I mean I do think it's important that we come up with slogans and uh you know headlines that are easy sound bites because it, we are dealing with a culture, like you said, A, they don't like to go beyond the headline. They don't understand what's in it. And so if we are, this is the sad reality. And no matter how good an idea is, if it's not presented in a way that's easily digestible and understood right at the, at the start, we'll lose. And, and that's just a sad truth. And, um, yeah. you know, I mean, that it doesn't matter what area. It doesn't matter um, what issue. It's we live in that culture that we need to have things be so easily understood or we just tune yes. out or absolutely the wrong thing about it. And it's unfortunate, but it's just the way that it is sadly. So we do have to, the moves that we make, we have to keep that in mind yeah. in wanting, if we want to make any kind of progress or change. And so for you also, what aspect of society do you feel like is still lacking in terms of female representation? Cause I know, you know, we're excited about now they're hopefully going to be a black female on the Supreme court, but I feel like there are so many other aspects of our society and in our government where we're still lacking in just female representation as a whole. I'd say almost everything. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not kidding. I mean, yeah, we're seeing more women in Congress and that's great, but we need more. We need it 50, 50. And you know, I'm not, we're seeing some of the wrong women, but we're seeing some of the wrong women, but you know what? (laughs) Still, as much as I may disagree, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll go with Liz Cheney. I don't like Liz Cheney. I I Mm -hmm. believe she is part of the reason why we're in this situation. I Mm -hmm. think that her votes help lead to Trump. 
Um, I, I really appreciate where she is right now. And I'm, I'm grateful that she does recognize the, the importance of democracy and that they can't, if the Republicans right now get their way, it's full on fascist United States. And she recognizes that, but she, Mm -hmm. she got us here. She is one of those people that got us here. And Hmm. I, what was, wait, what was the question again? (laughs) Just, yeah, but just aspects of society that you still think still need female representation. But I was saying that like, you know, in Congress and the loudest female voices that we have, like you have like Lauren, Lauren Boebert and Marjorie, you know, whatever, three names, whatever her name is, but like, those aren't the representatives that we want as women, you know? No, but (laughs) here's the line. It's like, yes, absolutely conservative women deserve to have a place even Absolutely. though I don't agree with them. Now, Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, I don't consider them conservative. I consider them autocratic, fascist, and horrible, white supremacists, yeah. all the bad names. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't think that they do, and I agree with you on that. But it's like, as much as I may not like a Liz Cheney, as much as I may not like, you know, I don't know, list off some of these old school, like Lisa Murkowski, she's been okay she's helped save the ACA so I'm grateful for that but then she votes against Mm -hmm. things so you know definitely I think we need to have representation of every you know kind of person uh and I'm talking you know the political ideology um but yeah I mean I think in the grand picture women have to we're still in a patriarchy men still control everything they control control business they can they control Wall Street they control entertainment they control government. And so it's just, I think over time we have to, we are doing it, but it's a slow roll. And, you know, I mean, yeah. we do honestly, and on the bench, we need more women on the bench. I agree. Where do you think the fear is or comes from rather that if more women were in positions of power, because I don't think that people realize that equality doesn't mean taking something away from somebody else. Like I, I, I have that conversation so many times with people. I'm like, making things equal is not taking anything away from you. And I've said it slowly like that too. And they still just, well, da, da, da. You, I'm sure you've heard these arguments oh, too. Absolutely. I think, I think the fear is there is something to be taken away, and that is the patriarchy. And they, you know, there mm-hmm. are a lot of men who, like liberal men, who are basically good men, who still kind of roll on the patriarchy when it suits them. And, you know, it may be subtle. It may not be, you know, the Donald Trump version of patriarchy and, and the hostile misogynist, but there is still sexism and it's always in degrees. And so it just, you know, I mean, I think that I just, I think that men fear losing the control and, and of course it's primarily white men They've had mm-hmm. the control since the beginning of this country. And the idea that other people are going to come along and take some of that and take away their ability to suppress and oppress, I think that's what scares them. And I really don't understand why human beings have that need in the first place. Yeah. I don't know why yeah. you want to oppress and suppress. I don't get it. But it does obviously make them feel superior. Yeah. And it's also just – it's in the DNA of this country, unfortunately. there. I mean, yes, we've come a long way, baby, and all of that, but we haven't come as far as, I, again, going back to my 20s when I was young and not really paying attention to politics, 
a girlfriend of mine loved Bill Clinton and that, I mean, my mother was always a Democrat. So I was, I was kind of like a Democrat by default without really, I was liberal for sure. I was always a feminist. I didn't walk in and announce it every time I walked into a room, but you know, yeah. I always felt like, Hey man, we should be fair and equal. And so in, in my twenties, again, growing up watching those shows, even during conservative Reagan years, watching just, I was a kid, I'm a Gen X kid. I watched all the sitcoms and you would see like, for instance, there was that different strokes episode where the two little boys weren't allowed into the white club and how Mr. Drummond was so upset. And he, you know, you, you got these messages to be good and to be fair. And I just thought that we were going to keep going that way and it was going to expand. And I think to a degree, we did. I mean, you know, we've had some conservative presidents, but the social atmosphere in our culture has always been, you know, expanding with social issues, whether it's gay marriage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this this thing that's happening to our country right now, it is, I believe, it is a direct backlash that we had a smart, capable black man running the country for eight years. Absolutely. No, there's no doubt in my mind that that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And Chris Rock made a funny joke. He was like, you know, Bush gave us Obama because he was so bad. And we they were like, oh, let's give this black guy a chance. And then Obama gave us Trump. He's like, is Trump going to bring Jesus back? Because they can't get like... <laughs> <laughs> Right. But, you know, it's interesting. We, we have gotten to this place in society where to me it isn't even just like Republican versus Democrat anymore. And I feel like in the past you were able to have civil conversations, but I don't know how we're going to get past this Trump era, yeah. this Trumpism. Cause it's, it's terrifying. If I can be honest, it actually is very terrifying to me. It is. It's terrifying. I mean, it's terrifying to me. And I mean, I think about women of color and I think about myself, I was just saying on my podcast as a woman with all this misogyny that we're experiencing now I'm a white woman. I'm privileged. I'm very tall. I think the tall thing helps me. People leave me alone because I'm tall. I love I have it. Big bones. I love it. But it's like I have a kind of a commanding presence. But but at the same time, um, just as a woman in the world now, like when I go to the grocery store, when I'm doing my thing, I'm not freaking out. I'm not like, oh my god, is somebody going to shoot me? I don't think like that. But in a general sense, the anger and hostility is growing in general. And, you know, I mean, I live in an area that's pretty populated with black people. And I, you know, I wonder, am I going to be out and about and some crazy white supremacist is going to come and do something horrible, Mm. you know, pick my area. I mean, my area is diverse, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know the numbers, but I mean, I see a lot, I'm living in, on the East coast. Now I live in Maryland. When I was young, I was born here, lived here until I was nine, went to Southern California and was there and then Northern California until 2018. And then I came back here and Mm. um, I was really pleased to see actually how much diversity there is here. Cause it's like, now it's, you know, I mean, you see everybody, it doesn't matter everybody. Um, But it scares me because I feel like as a woman now I am extra vulnerable to, because white supremacy and misogyny go together like peas and carrots, you know, (laughs) it's like, I don't know if these white supremacists are going to mess with me. And it's, yeah. it's terrifying. And I, and I feel like a black woman, I can't even imagine what it is like to walk in your shoes. I would not try to yeah. imagine, but I can guess that, you know, whatever I'm feeling 
it's going to be multiplied for what you're feeling. Yeah, it's true. And I feel like at least from my personal experience, you know, I go through this checklist of like, okay, I want to make sure that I just go to where I need to go. Let's say I'm going to the store. Mm -hmm. Don't make eye contact with certain people that I might, you know, it's, it's that type of thing that I have to go through. Or if I'm, if I am communicating with someone, I have to go through the checklist. Okay. Make sure I say, I speak this. You have to go into the code switching, Mm -hmm. make sure you talk this way Mm -hmm. so that they don't view you as a threat or view you and don't piss anybody off. So yeah, there is an extra layer of things that black women definitely have to go. Oh, it sucks. Absolutely. But women as a whole, like, No, I know. There's so much we have to think about. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I mean, I don't, again, I don't get out very much right now. And so one, I don't either. So (laughs) I get it. (laughs) One of the things that I do all the time is I go to my grocery store and there are two black women that I pretty much, there's the one I see on Saturday and she's like, I mean, I love her. And then there's a new one that I see on Wednesdays when I go. And I always talk about politics with them. And it's funny because when I'm one of the things that I think about because of Trump, and I didn't think this before Trump, but I thought, mm-hmm. okay, do people think I voted for Trump because white women as a black voted for Trump? And do they yeah. think I do? And I don't want anyone to think that. So, I mean, I'm not going to wear a sign, but what I try to do is I just, I'm friendly and I want to make sure I smile at people. I don't care who you are. You know, I give out compliments if they're genuine. If I see someone wearing a pair of shoes that I like, I let them know because yeah. I want, yeah. I, I think there's so much anger. Um, and so these women that I, that I work with sometimes, I, I, I mean, I honestly feel like saying, why aren't you more angry? Because they're so nice and they're so friendly. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we do talk about politics, um, we agree for the most part, but it's like, there's, there's one that I, have known for several years and I mean I love her I love her and I know she feels the same we hug each other and we haven't hugged during COVID but we hug each other and it's like she's this woman works seven days a week and Mm. she's always friendly and happy and I mean I'm sure behind the scenes she's got whatever going on but outwardly And I just, I feel like, how can you be so happy because I'm terrified, (laughs) you know? And it's like, I think she's a generally happy person. She just comes Mm -hmm. off that way. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think that the overall feeling in this country right now for people who are really, truly paying attention, it's very tense. And I think we're all just kind of concerned about big violent events um, whether it's insurrection number two or, you know, things blowing up. I don't I don't even like putting it out there, but I know that, that's, it's scary. What are you hoping specifically with this administration that will make progress on that you didn't see while Trump was in, in office? Well, I mean, I would love, I would love if we could, um, you know, get that build back better and really work on climate because no matter what, you know, racism, sexism, bigotry, that all doesn't matter if we don't have a planet that's healthy and we can live on it. So I definitely want to see more movement in in climate. And, you know, I mean, I, I hope that I genuinely believe if we can overcome, if we're if we're successful, if Democrats are successful in 2022, if we can get more Democrats in the Senate and possibly more Democrats in the House, there's a huge opportunity there to protect elections for 2024. Um, we, if we can, you know, I don't know if we're going to get this voting rights yeah. bill. I hope that we do. But if we don't, you know, we, we, we need to make sure to show up in huge numbers because it's, it's really... 
the difference of fascism and autocracy versus uh, a thriving democracy. And I don't know what would happen if Biden says, all right, I'm going to run again in 2024 and let's say he wins and he makes it all the way to 2028. Who's going to be the Democrat? Is it mm -hmm. going to be Kamala Harris? Is the country going to be ready for a woman period? Because even though they did vote for Hillary, um, the electoral college got her and yeah. the cheating got her. And I look at any woman, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. A woman of colors, again, going to have a harder time, but are yeah. we ready for that? Is it, it, it by 20, 2028, are we going to be solid enough that we can say, all right, it doesn't matter what you look like. If you're a woman, if you're, you know, black or Hispanic or Asian or whatever, are we going to be there yet? I don't know. I just, I don't know, but I hope that we will consistently in the process because right now Biden is doing a fantastic job getting judges, you know, uh, confirmed and, he's he's got this he's got a really good diverse cabinet and then we're seeing more women in congress and if he puts a black woman on the supreme court mm -hmm. we've got that going for us and it's just gonna i think it'll keep going and eventually we'll get to having a woman president which yeah. we should have had years ago but eventually we'll get to it and i think once and then i think we're gonna have to deal with the backlash from that which unfortunately yeah. is it's just unfortunate Cause I want just like get over it, get over it. It's just it's like it's a woman. What is the problem? <laughs> and oh my god, women have proved they're fantastic leaders. You know, it's like we've already proven it. One hundred percent. It's out there. So one hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, of course, there's Sarah, I mean, there's the Sarah Palin's of the world, mm -mm. and you don't want her. But there are the of the capable women, and there's there's capable sure. conservative women too. You know, I mean, just like it's ridiculous to suggest that women can't handle, you know, a role. Which is in so leadership. funny because if you think just like, you know, in typical households that people talk about, you husbands don't Whoa, make yeah, moves without <laughs> their wives making this. It's like, you know what I'm saying? So like, you, I think women have kind of proven that they can be in charge because they they run the household despite what yeah. husbands think. <laughs> And that's obviously just for heterosexual <laughs> relationships, but like, that's the, that's just the truth. Like my husband, God bless him. Like he's a lawyer. He makes way more money than I do, but he doesn't do anything without asking me, consulting me, seeing if it's okay. Asking me like they can't, they can't even go to the grocery store on their own sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't understand what this thought process is that a woman couldn't run the country. I'm digressing because this gets me upset. Yeah. But other than your own voice, who are some other women that you think people should be following and really listening to because they're very, very vocal about women's rights and human rights issues as a whole? Well, I mean, obviously, I love Stacey Abrams. She's like the woman of the year. And um, she's my favorite right now. I think she's amazing. Um, and, you know, I'm always going to have this really special soft spot mm -hmm. for Alyssa Milano because, again, I introduced her. I was fortunate enough to be in a DM group with her and I put it out there about the ERA and she, you know, I had wanted somebody like her to take it on. I mean, I didn't have her in mind, but I just thought, okay, somebody who's got a huge platform, somebody who's going to do more than just yeah. tweet once about it and to feel as passionately as I do. And it just happened that she she just Amazing. took it and ran and i'm so grateful um and then you know really i mean there's big names obviously i could take the big names 
it's different, you know, we're not in the 60s, so there's no Gloria Steinem's now, and there's, you know, it's not the same way. I think really, honestly, the people that I follow are just sometimes just the the individuals on Twitter that I think, like you, or um, Patricia mm-hmm. Arquette, or um, there's just a number of people out there. I think there's, I mean, you could also say Nancy Pelosi, she's amazing. Um, that woman yeah, blows yeah. my mind. She's so good at what she does. Even if you don't agree with every she's little thing she job. does or says, she's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't <laughs> mess with that woman. And, you know, I mean, I, and, and also Hillary Clinton yeah. and Kamala Harris. I look at somebody like Kamala Harris and, you know, it's so amazing to see this gorgeous Gen X woman in, in such a high position I, it's unfortunate that that top position is just so difficult yeah. for them to get to, but it's, you know, I mean, I, one of the things that she said when, during the inauguration that I will never, was it the inauguration? I think my, it might've been the DNC. I don't remember, but she said, you know, democracy is something we have to fight for every day. It's mm-hmm. not a given. And I'd never heard anybody say that, you know, I mean, I, I, I understood it to be true, but she just, she, she said it and it crystallized in my mind. And, you know, again, watching her um, do her thing with Brett Kavanaugh, she's an amazing woman. So it's like, and of course there's Michelle there's Obama. So many, I mean, there's yeah. just so yeah. many women out there. Yeah. Who are inspiring and, and uplifting. And so, yeah, I mean, and again, and it's not just the big famous ones. It's, it's the people who are out there every day. There's Jojo from Jers, you know, she's, she was on my podcast and she's funny and she's smart and she's adorable. And yeah. I learned things from her. So it's like, I just, I think that, you know, there's a lot of us out there who are important and we have. Yes. And you absolutely do. are one of them. And thank you so much for just being on my podcast and, and chatting with me. Can you let everybody know where they can follow you and listen to your podcast as well? Oh, thank you. Um, yes, I'm author Kimberly on Twitter, and that's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E that my mom stuck in there just to make everybody <laughs> confused. And then <laughs> if you go to my Twitter, you'll see a link tree, and that'll take you to everything. My start, my uh, podcast will start me up, and so that's, what is it, patreon.com slash start me up. But you can, again, find that all on the link tree, and it's just so awesome to be on of your show. Thank course. you so much. Oh, I thank you. you. I adore you. You're amazing. <laughs> And to the listeners, thank you for your weekly support of We Need to Talk. Make sure you like, comment, share, review, and most importantly, subscribe. Thank you to Stephen James, our theme song writer and producer. And remember, everything begins with a conversation. We need to talk.